Hello and welcome to this episode of The Jewish Views. I'm Tony Honigberg. I'm John Kay, and I'm going to be talking to Ron Campius. He's the Washington, D.C. Bureau Chief for the Jewish Telegraphic Agency. We'll be talking about the late President Bush. And I'm Phil Dave, live from Hanukkah in the Square for 2018. A somewhat wet, a dreary Hanukkah in the Square. All the same, the atmosphere here is fantastic. I will be speaking to some of the organisers and some of the participants as well to try and give you a flavour of what you might have missed if you weren't able to make it here for yourself. But before all that, let's get a roundup of the main Jewish news stories from the past week with Vivian Krieger. And we begin with the death of 98-year-old Peter Goldston, a Jewish war veteran who had serious injuries, including two bleeds to the brain, after a violent robbery in his home in Enfield last month. There have been no arrests, but Scotland Yard said there are a number of active inquiries and a £10,000 reward is in place for relevant information. Mr Goldston's son, Simon, said he was lost for words at man's inhumanity to man. The controversial campaigner Baroness Ossimore, who supported activists suspended from the Labour Party over alleged anti-Semitism, has taken her seat in the House of Lords. Her nomination by Jeremy Corbyn angered Jewish groups, who said it was a two-fingered salute to the community. George H.W. Bush, the one-term US president, has died at the age of 94. The president's public squabbles with Jewish leaders made headlines, while his private interventions helped bring tens of thousands of Jews to Israel from the former Soviet Union, Ethiopia and Syria. He failed to be re-elected in 1992, scoring just 11% of the Jewish vote, which was just one-third of what he got four years earlier. It marked a low point in relations between Republicans and the Jewish community. And we'll be finding out more about the 41st President's connections to American Jews a little later on in this show. The CEO of technology giant Apple has reiterated the company's commitment to fighting hate and used a Hebrew phrase to do so. Tim Cook, who isn't Jewish, spoke at an Anti-Defamation League conference and at one point used a Hebrew quote from Leviticus, which translates as, "'Do not be indifferent to the bloodshed of your fellow man.'" Mr. Cook also mentioned the Pittsburgh synagogue shooting and said the constant evils of anti-Semitism darken the streets of that city and many other places. And finally, the London Beth Din has approved an Israeli company's cannabis oil as kosher. The product, Provacan, which sells for about £40 per 10 mil bottle in health food stores, is marketed as a food supplement with claims that it offers a range of health and medicinal benefits. It contains no psychoactive substances. Thank you, Viv. First on the Jewish Views this week, we have Richard Ferrer, editor of the Jewish News, and Bridget Grant, who is the supplements editor of the Jewish News, with us in the studio to look at the papers. So... Tell us, Richard, what's on the headlines this week? Well, we're celebrating Hanukkah, which obviously this show is celebrating very loudly down at Hanukkah in the square, and that's what the front page relays, a lovely vibrant image of the community celebrating at the end of what has been a a rancorous, cantankerous, difficult year, I think we'll agree, for the entire community. So let's reflect back and hope for a better 2019. Well, I don't think it's going to be a better 2019. Fingers, well, fingers crossed. Yes, we, we shall wait and see with that one. So, 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 that, so that aside, there's a couple of stories in the news, I think, this week. Both of them are stories that obviously we've been following with a close eye. Firstly, the CST have issued a report, and they have come up with the assessment that anti-Semitism is now part of the fabric of British life more than ever before. They're saying that people in different parts of the UK, different parts of the world indeed, mm. are more aware of Jew hate now than they ever have been before and anti-Semitism is sucked into issues like Grenfell and the election of Donald Trump. It is now, people are aware of what with Zionism, racism and all these kind of issues that I think we were only really fixated on for years and years and now everywhere from you know north, south, east and west of the country, Jew and non-Jew alike are now seem to be having opinion on an issue that I think only the Jewish community has really felt really vexed on uh, in previous years. So I think that's a, a tipping point 
whether or not that's a good thing or a bad thing, that sort of awareness remains to be seen. But yeah, the problem is as in focus now as, as yeah. ever before. And, and you've got another thing there about the Imperial War Museum and the Holocaust Memorial outside the Houses of Parliament. Yeah. There, there was a big argument going on, wasn't there? Yeah, David Cameron, remember him, launched years ago a commission for how the UK and future generations can remember and learn from the mm. horrors of the Holocaust. So the idea was to set up a memorial in Victoria Gardens opposite Parliament, uh, you know, the cradle of democracy, a great place to learn those lessons of when democracy goes wrong. But however, it's been quite a controversial decision because the Imperial War Museum, who have this fantastic facility and have put millions into a, a Holocaust museum and learning centre, which is only a few miles yeah. down the road. And, it's said, a, and it is a great exhibition. It's there. phenomenal. It's, said it's, it's, a, it's a duplication of, mm. of resources. This is a waste of money. Other members of the community signed a, co-signed a long letter saying it was a, a bad idea and it shouldn't be put forward. Well, luckily, divisions have ended now and the uh, Imperial War Museum have, have said that they they're going to support it as best they can through communication and, and mm. hopefully we can see the end of what has been quite an ugly spat over an yeah. important thing that the community will... I mean, I mean, there's a bit of a difference, isn't there? Because the Imperial War Museum, if you go and see their Holocaust memorial, you've got to go into the building to see it and it's in with everything else. Whereas this memorial outside of Parliament is there in your face mm. so like local residents have, have opposed it some have said it, it, it dogs won't want to walk in the park with such a behemoth in the middle but you're right it is meant to be a public access mm. it's meant to be something that's just there physically for people to i won't say enjoy that's probably the wrong word but to experience and to see it's there and they're, right. they're basically huge big pillars yeah. and the further you go down the tighter it becomes and the, and the more you descend so it's quite evocative yeah. And hopefully people, however they interact with it, will, will, will spend a second or two thinking about the last century. Wasn't the main spat, though, between the commission who recommended it and Jewish members of the House of Lords who came out recently against it? That was part of it, yeah, absolutely. Has that been settled? The Imperial War Museum have, have, have basically said that we are going to support this endeavour. I don't think, and Lord Pickles would know better than me because he was really the prime mover behind this, I don't think that members of our own community are entirely behind this. And in fact, if you just talk in our newsroom, there are people that, that think it's uh, perhaps not the best facility in but terms of what we are sometimes our own worst enemy, aren't we? I mean, they talk about the, the, the error of going around Jewish areas. And, and the main complainants are Jewish people living in the Jewish areas, not the non-Jews living in the Jewish areas. So, you know, we, we do like to complain about things that I, I think put us in the public eye, maybe. Yeah, as a public space, which is, I think, really interesting that you touched on that. There really isn't anywhere in London. The Hyde Park Memorial is is small. It's pretty inconsequential. You wouldn't even know it was there unless you were looking for it when you walked past. So this is somewhere that I think is central, certainly eye-catching for yeah. future generations. Absolutely. So, Bridget, what have you got? Every year, or I should say since I've been here, so the past four years we've been doing a support of Camp because toy drive which is effectively every year they they encourage the kids at jewish schools to bring in toys and it's an amazing thing because it's for all children not just jewish children it's a charity that goes out to about 100 hospitals 9000 toys were collected this year and they distribute them at the hospitals and i always kind of you know, kick it off, as mm. it were. And we like to kick it off with a celeb. The, the JN has been behind finding a celeb. And this Who did year, we have? in keeping with the entire summer, I don't know whether you watched it. I'm guessing maybe not. The entire, <laughs> the, the, oh, is that a presumption? The World Cup, you mean? Yeah, that's uh, the well, one. Yes. Aside from the World Cup, <laughs> other, there was another thing. And actually, Richard is primed for this. You were completely obsessed with it. Love Island mm. and basically we all got personalised water bottles on the back of it and A.L. Booker was the Jewish contestant and I spent the summer writing about his antics on the show which yes which we read where about many, yes. yes many people enjoyed yeah. he probably more than those people watching it he came with to the hospital and he was really sweet he came on his scooter the other day to the Royal Free and I dressed as Minnie Mouse my husband dressed as Mickey Mouse and in we went. I have to tell you, wearing one of those animal suits, you start to realise how they suffer in Florida in the summer in the Disney theme parks. I, I, do we have pictures?
pictures in the paper of, of you yes, dressed. Okay, many. that's good. You can that's see good. more online, can't you? And if anyone anyone listening wants to see more, I'm happily send them. <laughs> I've been ch- chucking out other stories, left, right, and centre, to make as much space as I possibly can <laughs> for this fabulous initiative <laughs> this week. Minnie and Mickey Mouse. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but, but joking aside, Bridget, her energy and enthusiasm, particularly for this project, is so touching. And Camp Simcha, I know, are very appreciative of her work. As are the kids. Um, actually, yeah, she's just gesturing because <laughs> we have love- a large box of flowers being they, delivered. Sent to the some studio. flowers as a thank you to. Yeah, uh, I was hoping to it was a Spanish villa in there. But it's not, is it? <laughs> well, it might be. <laughs> Pop up Spanish villa. The funny thing was that Small my husband is box. quite tall and dressed as Mickey Mouse. It was more alarming for the children at first because. You know, you have a vision of Mickey Mouse being quite small and suddenly this six foot two man or mouse <laughs> walked into the room and you could see the horror on their faces. A giant, but, uh, yeah. giant Mickey Mouse. But it was it was good. And and what is interesting and children are the focus as they are at Hanukkah mm. and giving presents but the main thing is that that they mentioned at the hospital that the the neglected sector of the community is the elderly at this time and there are plenty of people in the hospitals who don't get any visits so I was thinking that I might mention to Jewish Care that maybe they could do something for the elderly next year at Hanukkah time that we could kind of you know be involved with they might not need me to dress up as a mouse but perhaps a little bit of dancing and singing. They said that was possible on the ward, mm. just to kind of, you know, because some of them sit there every day and, and that nothing. kind of, you know, yeah. made me, whereas children are always the recipients mm. of, of this time of, you know, festive period. And I think that would be nice. Mm. But children play with other children, don't they? If they're, if they're around each other, whereas the elderly tend to sit there and... Yeah, vegetate, really. but you know, a nice like you know, sing along, a, a festive sing along. Yeah. Just, just say a lot of people say these reality TV stars are self obsessed, but I mean, Al, fabulous, what a star to be spreading that sort of love, and he's a real dreamboat as well. So, yes, and uh, he's gone. All, he's gone. He actually was flying out to Philippines yesterday, representing World Vision. Oh, so he's finding Great. out the impact of, of yeah. you know, of, of all that's gone on there and how. He, he's, I mean, he wants to get attached to those things, so I think it's really nice. Well, that's where we'll have to leave it for this week, but thank you, Richard, and thank you, Bridget. Don't forget, you can pick up your copy of the Jewish News every Thursday across London or read the e-version at jewishnews.co.uk. You're listening to the Jewish Views in association with the Jewish News. Now, this week saw the passing of George H.W. Bush at the age of 94. You'll be forgiven for questioning why this will be featured particularly on the Jewish Views, but as our next guest will tell us, the global Jewish community has quite a lot to thank the 41st President of the USA for. Ron Campius is the Washington, D.C. Bureau Chief for the Jewish Telegraphic Agency, and he joins us from Washington now. Ron, there have always been, haven't there, uh, in recent memory, certainly, Jewish people advising American presidents, one doesn't necessarily associate the first President Bush with having Jewish advisors, but what was his involvement with the Jewish community and with Jewish people around him? Well, you're right. He didn't have senior Jewish advisors like a lot of uh, other presidents did, but he did. He was uh, aware of the Jewish community going back to his days as a congressman in the 1960s, and not just aware, but involved he spoke out for Soviet Jewry in the 60s and 70s. He was considered for his, when he was CIA director for two years in the 70s, he was considered to be quite sensitive to Israeli concerns. And then as vice president, Reagan had a cabinet that had Jewish members in it, and he was friendly with them. He worked with them. And then he was president, and he was always open to the Jewish community. He had like sometimes very tense relations with the Israeli government, but he never froze out the Jewish community. When you think, though, of other presidents, you can identify individuals. For example, you think of Richard Nixon, and even though there were allegations that he was anti-Semitic, he still had Jewish advisors, including the most notable, I suppose, being Henry Kissinger, and even Barack Obama more recently with Rahm Emanuel, who is now mayor of Chicago. He was very much you know, key to perhaps uh, Barack Obama's success in many ways. There, were, there aren't one or two individuals particularly that you, I can uh, think of involved with President Bush? Well, I mean, I, I suppose that within his presidency, the, 
The closest would have been Bill Kristol, who was the chief of staff to Bush's vice president, Dan Quayle. That would have been the, the most senior uh, person. But also he took a, a, the, there's been a tradition going at least back to the 1950s of a semi-official liaison to the Jewish community. And his was a, a guy named Marshall Brieger, who is now a professor of law at Catholic University. And if you talk to Marshall, he'll tell you that this was somebody who was always conscientious about his outreach to the Jewish community. What was President Bush's relationship like as far as Israel was concerned? He conducted a uh, kind of expansive foreign policy where he wanted to broaden U.S. influence in the post-Soviet world because Ronald Reagan had brought about the first signs of the dismantling of the Soviet empire, and then it, it crumbled on uh, George H.W. Bush's watch. And he wanted that, he, you know, his main concern was making sure that uh, America was the preeminent power in this, you know, what he called the new world order. And to do that, he had to cultivate and maintain relationships with a lot of countries that were hostile to Israel, you know, in the Arab world, etc. And he sought a path forward to reduce those hostilities by uh, launching the, the Madrid, what was then called the Madrid Peace Process, because it was, was launched in Madrid in 1991. And when you put yourself in that position, sorry, of brokering a, a peace deal and listening to both sides and trying to accommodate both sides, after years of basically being more on the Israel side of the column with some interruptions, then you're going to set up a, a formula for tensions with Israel. And, that, and, and particularly because Israel had at that time from 1988 and particularly 1990 onwards, probably the most right-wing government it's ever had, at least until the current Netanyahu government. The one, it had the government that was least like, most resistant to the territory for peace formula that George H.W. Bush was advancing. And so there were tensions. Uh, the uh, you know the most famous one was there was a huge influx of Jews from the from the, the the former Soviet Union as the Soviet Union was collapsing. Israel sought loan guarantees so they could borrow money to help absorb these immigrants. And George H. W. Bush wanted to didn't succeed in the end because of political opposition, but wanted to make the loan guarantees contingent on Israel freezing settlement in the West Bank. And that created something of a crisis between the two countries. Was President Bush's Secretary of State in charge of foreign affairs James Baker at the time? Yes, he was for the first for most of his presidency. And then I think it was in the summer of 1991 or maybe a little later that he switched to being his political chief of staff so he could run his re-election campaign, which wasn't successful, of course. But yes, for most of the time. He uh, wasn't James Baker seen in the Jewish world as being perhaps a little less sympathetic to Israel than perhaps some of his predecessors? Yes, for sure. I mean, he was, you know, he was very much a realist. He was a, a no-holds-barred fighter. And I would say that, I mean, James Baker brought to Israel the same toughness that he brought to any other interaction with any other country. But that was unusual. Israel had like a kind of favored nation status with other presidents. And James Baker said, no, I'm going to treat you like any other country. And so he famously, when he was testifying in Congress about the Bush administration's efforts to advance a peace process, he said, he gave out the number of the White House and said, uh, Yitzhak Shamir, you can call anytime uh, if you want to start the peace process. And it kind of put Israel in a, an embarrassing position. And then also when somebody, um, I think it was Jack Kemp, who was a cabinet secretary who was very, very close to the Jewish community, brought up in a meeting the fact that some one of the decisions they were going to make was going to alienate Jewish voters. James Baker famously used an epithet to describe what he thought about Jewish voters. He didn't think it was important to worry about Jewish voters. And he was probably right because Jews tend to overwhelmingly vote for the Democrat in any case. Yes, I noticed uh, figures from the midterm elections recently show that 79% of Jews tended to vote for the Democrats. Something that Mike Pence, the current vice president, said the other day about President Bush was his kindness. And when we compare not just to what's going on in the White House at the moment, but perhaps even with other world leaders that seem to be coming to, to surface. It did seem very much a different time. And, and I think people perhaps hark back maybe to those days when it seemed that you know, presidents and other world leaders were, were a different type. 
Yes, for sure. I think, you know, yeah, one, one thing about George H.W. Bush that we, you know, even at this moment, just after he, he's died, that we shouldn't forget is he ran a very rough political campaign, for sure, like a lot of others. And that kind of set the tone for the political campaigns of the late 20th century and the first part of the 21st century. But he he tended to govern with real kindness. And that was his point. I mean, you know, he really wanted to make a, a more to be a more responsive, caring president. And that manifested itself uh, internationally. I, I just heard a story that he would kind of every day he would call a different foreign leader, wherever it was in the country, large or small, on every continent, and just say, I want to listen to what you have to say. And he would mostly listen. He would just he wouldn't like interject and give orders. He would just listen to see what their you know what their issues were and what their problems were. And that was his uh, his foreign policy. And I think uh, that was his relationship with the Jewish community as well. And he was kind of self-effacing about. It. He didn't like to to brag. But as vice president and then as president, for all of the tensions that he was supposedly fostering with Israel, he was very effective in rescuing Jews and helping to rescue Jews who were endangered at at the time. He played critical roles. In the release of Soviet Jews, he played a critical, absolutely critical roles in Operation Solomon, the release of Ethiopian Jews, and also in the release of Syrian Jews in one of the um, lesser known aspects of his uh, his presidency. Ron Campius from the Jewish Telegraphic Agency in Washington, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Thank you. If you would like to get in contact about any of the stories you've heard on this show, then we'd love to hear your Jewish views. Email studio at jewishviews.co.uk. On Facebook, go to facebook.com forward slash the Jewish Views. On Twitter, we are at Jewish Views UK. Or you can go to our website, jewishviews.co.uk. Now, just in case you've not been paying attention, this week happens to be Hanukkah. A regular part of the Festival of Lights, well, in London anyway, is Hanukkah in the Square. The event takes place in Trafalgar Square, and if you were unable to attend this year's offering, then our very own Phil Dave has braved the elements for you, and we can cross over to him now. Brave the elements is indeed the right way of putting it. Tony, thank you very much for that. Yes, I am standing in the middle of a rather dreary and a somewhat wet Trafalgar Square, just beneath what can only be described as a giant Hanukkah, and it is an absolute marvel to see that such a beacon and such a symbol of Judaism is absolutely towering over Trafalgar Square, right next to Nelson's column and equally next to a Christmas tree. Doesn't it just go to show the diversity of this great city of ours? Well, the idea about this evening is that I'm going to speak to some of the organizers. I'm going to speak to some of the main names involved. We're going to hear hopefully from the mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, Justin Cohen, our news editor, will hopefully be speaking to him a little later on. And we'll even try and get a few words from the chief rabbi. But for now, let's start the proceedings and listen to tonight's presenter, Rachel Krieger, who is going to begin the event of Hanukkah in the Square for 2018. Uh, this is a really special occasion for me. I was so excited to be offered this job. I obviously had to do a little audition. I did eight minutes of material about Hanukkah, which is kind of a miracle, really, because I only had enough material for one minute. A very festive joke. Thank you. I got a lovely smile from JW3 in the corner. Um, it's been very exciting. They sent me an email and they said, Rachel, have you got any special requests for this occasion? And I said, well... I heard something about free donuts. And they said, don't worry, they emailed me, don't worry, Rachel, you can have as many donuts as you can eat. Well, as you may have heard already, there's something a little bit different about this year's Hanukkah in the Square in the form of the person who is at the helm of it. I'm delighted to say that friend of the show and Jewish comedian extraordinaire Rachel Krieger joins me. Hi, Rachel. Hello, hello. I like being called extraordinaire anything. That's brilliant. You are quite extraordinaire and extraordinary. How are you finding your gig so far? So far, so good. I feel like my brand new coat got an excellent reception, which was my main priority of the evening. Absolutely. And there's absolutely no doubt in our minds just how you have been practicing. For those who maybe didn't hear your introduction, do tell us how you have been getting, should we say, in the spirit of Hanukkah and practicing all year. Well, mainly by eating donuts. I've been practicing very, very hard. Rumour has it. Rumour has it there are a lot of donuts here tonight. There are. They told me that there are going to be as many donuts as I could eat. I replied by email. Challenge accepted. So far, so good. 
Fantastic. And you know what? I, I'm probably going to be very British now and talk a little bit about the weather because it, it's a trifle soggy out here, isn't it? It is. But it's beginning to dry up. My, I said it would be finished by 5.30, that the, it would be dry by 5.30. It's not quite, but it's definitely on the way. I think we're going to have two hours of damp fun. But, well, goodness me, quite. Having said that, of course, though, you're the one who's laughing because you are undercover for most of it. So you just get to look on at everyone's amazement and horror that they're out in the rain and you're not. This is true. I can see a sea of umbrellas at the moment. It's a little bit like Wimbledon. It is. <laughs> Are you going to treat us to a bit of singing like Cliff Richard would if, this, if the weather doesn't go our favour? I would love to, but I think that might accept the uh, more ultra-Orthodox members of the congregation here today. So uh, the singing will all be done by children and men on this occasion. Well, look, do you know what? Best of luck with the rest of the evening. Rachel, thank you for speaking to us because I know that you are somewhat busy keeping this all together and we're very grateful. And happy Hanukkah! And happy Hanukkah to you, my lovely friends! I think it's fair to say that no major Jewish event would possibly be complete without the presence of the Board of Deputies. And you can't get much better than the President of the Board of Deputies, Marie van der Zyl, who is with me now, Marie, despite the weather. And I'm sorry, yes, I go on about it, but despite the weather. How amazing is this? It's an incredibly unifying time and I'm here tonight as a trustee of the Jewish Leadership Council with my communal colleagues and after all the dark and gloom we've had this year we're here to have fun today with donuts, music and drink and all Londoners to come together. What do you think that it means for the community as in how important is it that we are here proudly showing off our Judaism? How important is that? There is nothing more important than showing our Judaism at Trafalgar Square where everyone can come and join us and we stand as proud Jews to commemorate the miracle of Hanukkah and the Festival of Light. It's a real privilege to be here and the fact we can in London, the centre, the centre of everything in Trafalgar Square, we've got to remember that whatever difficult times we have, this is wonderful. And difficult times has definitely been a theme that has been very much felt throughout the Jewish community. It seems somehow fitting that we can remind ourselves that we are allowed to celebrate, we, we can be who we are in this great city. It's part of our identity and our inner selves. We love to dance, we want to celebrate, be proud. This is great and all the communal organisations, we're all here today, we are all joined in unity to show the UK community and everyone else this is what matters, being together to celebrate. And what does Hanukkah mean to you personally? Because I think people would like to know Marie van der Zyl, the person, not just the president of the Board of Deputies. What about Hanukkah to you and your family? Well, I've still got two young children, two girls that are 12 and 14. They get really excited about Hanukkah. They love the dreidel. They love lighting the candles. They love presents. It's a very happy time. So I'm looking at my, my girls and it's all about the kids. Marie van der Zyl, President of the Board of Deputies, thank you so much. And Hanukkah Sameach. Hanukkah Sameach. Now one thing that is particularly nice about Hanukkah in the square is there's always this sense of familiarity about it as well. And, well, as ever, we have now managed to nab a moment with the, uh, the head of the Jewish Leadership Council himself. It is Simon Johnson. Simon, thank you so much for speaking to us, especially, I'm sorry to go on about this, but I'm sorry to anyone who's not here, you're not braving the elements I am in the most appalling weather. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm depressed about the rain. We were tracking this rain front all day, hoping that it was going to turn left and head up north. No offence to anybody north of London, but no, it's right here. It's settled over Trafalgar Square. But, you know, the show's been on for a few minutes and you can already tell that it's not dampening anybody's spirits. Definitely not. You know, the crowd are bouncing around quite happily, listening to some of the music that's being played to them live at the moment. Rain is not putting anyone off. Of course, one thing that is quite nice, though, about Hanukkah in the Square, in particular, I think, this year, despite the elements, is that I don't think we can beat about the bush. This year has been particularly troubling for the Jewish community in many ways. And it's nice to see that events like this can still happen and we can still celebrate the good times. Well, this year, more than any other year, we feel that it's a time for people to come together and celebrate this joyous festival. Because the whole thing about the Hanukkah lights, if you remember going back to the Hanukkah miracle itself, they burnt against religious oppression and against tyranny. 
And so after a difficult year, it's a wonderful opportunity for people to really unite under the lights because they, they signify the type of freedom that we enjoy. I say this every year to you, Phil. It is remarkable that we are here in the center of London, in the heart of one of the most iconic venues. We're playing Hebrew music, we're going to light the menorah, and we're going to eat donuts, and we're going to sing and dance to Jewish music in complete safety. We certainly are, and it's, it, every time you say it, I'm never any less, I suppose, mesmerized by that thought, because if you think back to some of the amazing anniversaries, I say amazing in the sense of how long ago they were, as opposed to what actually happened, but some of the anniversaries that we have marked this year of when our people have obviously gone through the most horrible times, and yet here we are, less than a century later, actually showing off our Judaism. Well, we have a lot to celebrate, and that's the thing. It's very easy when Jews are in the news for the wrong reasons to forget just how much we can celebrate, just how we're allowed to be able to light a menorah in the middle of central London in the presence of the mayor of this great city. We can wander around freely, we can wander around with pride, and celebrate our culture. We mustn't forget that, however difficult things have been. Events like tonight remind us that Britain is a great place in which to be Jewish. And you reminded us about the hashtag that's being used this evening, Unite the Light, that is the official social media hashtag that's being used. And that message has got so many meanings, hasn't it? And I think that we've pretty much summed it up just by being here. Well, a unite under the light means that everybody can come together. We can all look up the lights uh, of, of Hanukkah. And we can remember what message that the festival of Hanukkah sends us, which is that our freedom is worth fighting for, it's worth treasuring, and it's worth being able to celebrate everything about our culture. That's what tonight is about. Simon Johnson, Chief Executive, Jewish Leadership Council, thank you so much. I would like to introduce to you our chazanim of tonight, Adam Musikant and Stephen Lees, who will be leading us with the lighting of the menorah and the blessings. The chazanim, please. Thank you. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher Kirishan Mitzvotav Etzivanu Lehad Lekner Shel Chanukah Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech Haolam Sheasah Nisim Lagoteinu Vayamim Ahem Mazman of the way in which through all our ups and downs within history we have remained true to Torah values and as a result Am Yisrael Chai we live on and here in the UK we are proud of our synagogues we're proud of our communities we're proud of our schools we're proud of our children we're proud of our youth we're proud of our welfare activities we're proud of our tzedakah our charitable giving and standing here in Trafalgar Square we are proud to be citizens of the great city of London and we are proud to be British and we are exceptionally proud of Medinat Yisrael the state of Israel we are proud to be Zionists and we are proud of the extraordinary achievements of Israel since her independence in 1948. In those days at this time, in central public places, the Greeks established idols and forced us to bow down to them. Isn't it incredible, therefore? that in the most significant and iconic public place in the UK, we have gathered here this evening in large numbers to celebrate with freedom our festival of Hanukkah.
And ladies and gentlemen, I'm exceptionally proud of all of you. It's cold, it's been raining, but nothing could keep you away from coming to celebrate with us this evening. So here from Trafalgar Square, we issue a call and we exclaim with exceptional pride, we are Jewish and we're proud of it. Well, those were the unmistakable, wise, and very comforting words of Chief Rabbi Ephraim Mervis, who I'm absolutely honored to say joins us now on the Jewish Views. Chief Rabbi, what does it mean to you to see our religion so proudly boasted in Hanukkah in the square, in Trafalgar Square? Right now I'm looking out on Trafalgar Square. I can see so many faces, so many people who have braved the inclement weather in order to be here. It's a marvelous celebration. And as I said in my address, it's a statement of Jewish pride. We're proud to be citizens of this great city. We're proud to be British. And we're proud of our Judaism. And what do you think the Maccabees would make of this, knowing that they triumphed over adversity? And this is ultimately us marking that, wouldn't you say, by being so proud and open about our religion? If the Maccabees were here, they wouldn't make head or tail of anything that's happening here. <laughs> but one thing's for certain. <laughs> they'd be enormously happy, relieved and proud to know that more than 2,000 years after what they went through, we're here, we've prevailed, and Judaism has thrived. Do you worry that sometimes there is a danger that Jews will forget the meaning, the true meaning behind Hanukkah? Are we all too often about now the materialistic side of it that we've all come to know and love as well? We will always remember the real lessons of Hanukkah as long as we maintain our spirituality and our connection with our faith, which we're doing very well. And a question that I've asked to a few people this evening, what does Hanukkah mean to you personally? It means so many things, but most importantly of all, it means Jewish identity and all the benefits and the happiness that come about through being connected to our Jewish roots. Your time and your presence is very much appreciated. Hag Hanukkah Sameach, Chief Rabbi. Good. Thank you very much. I am here to celebrate Hanukkah with fellow Londoners, but also to say thank you. Thank you for the contribution you make to making this city, London, the greatest city in the world. And let this message go out from London. Jewish Londoners aren't tolerated. Jewish Londoners are respected, they're embraced, and they are celebrated. But you know, the story of Hanukkah is as relevant now as it was 2,000 years ago, when hope triumphed over fear and light over darkness, because one of the lessons of our history is that the Jewish community must always be vigilant and never complacent. And those of us who are non-Jewish Londoners and non-Jews around the world must show solidarity to our Jewish friends and our Jewish neighbours. So I think for four years of coming to Hanukkah in the Square, I asked Boris uh, when he's going to Israel. I asked you that question two years ago. So the same starter for 10 for you. When are you hoping to go? Oh, whenever we can. I mean, we're, we're keen to go. I've met with the uh, uh, mayor of some of the great cities in Israel in the past, and we're keen to go whenever we can. I'm keen, if for no other reason, but to particularly post Brexit, to reassure the world that, you know, notwithstanding the vote of the British people, we're going to carry and be, be an open-minded, outward-looking, pluralistic, and uh, so tomorrow off to Dublin, which is a shorter flight than uh, Tel Aviv. But it's really important that we spread the message. And you know, one of the great things about uh, some of the emerging business businesses in some of the cities in Israel is whether it's tech, whether it's uh, some of the other uh, businesses there are, we want to, you know, work with them. And the good news is, there are Londoners working with Israelis, there are businesses in London working with uh, Israeli businesses who want to continue. Could next year be the year? To be honest, next year I might be focused on winning the re-election in 2020. But as soon as we can, we're going to go. I mean, we, we, you know, we have we have a, a, a plan of foreign trips. Some of them don't come off. So, for example, I was keen to go to China this year. It didn't happen. And so there's a schedule of foreign trips in the itinerary, clearly for a variety of reasons, whether it's the increase in violent crime, concerns around affordable housing and transport, 
Brexit in particular, my focus had to be domestic and close to home in Europe. But last year you supported the Tel Aviv in London festival when there was a whole lot of Tel Aviv events coming to this country. There's going to be the return leg next year, late next year, so London in Tel Aviv. Is that something you would presumably support in any way you can? Well, it was the mirror of Tel Aviv I was thinking of just now and I had a, a, what a senior moment. But no, it's really important we work closely with other cities. So London and Partners is my trade body, work closely with Tel Aviv. But also we're keen for London to be a platform for uh, cities that are emerging, like Tel Aviv, that are growing and, and uh, we want to flourish and thrive. So, of course, culture is a big area we want to work closely with Tel Aviv with, but also tech as well. I'm a firm believer that in relation to this fourth industrial revolution, we've got to embrace it. And so if we can learn from each other how to be a smart city, I was very impressed by Tel Aviv's moves to encourage more people to walk and cycle. So there's always things we can learn from each other. I'm really keen to avoid an impression being created. It's only us lecturing and teaching others. others. It's a two-way process. Just finally, obviously, you've spoken about your pride in seeing this menorah in the square. It's not been an easy year. You're very familiar with that for the Jewish community here and abroad. How important is it to see such a huge crowd gathering in the heart of central London? You know, one of the things that I remind non-Jewish Londoners about is just try and understand the psychological trauma our Jewish friends feel when they see a terror attack on a synagogue in Pittsburgh. Because that attack is a crime against the entire community. The fact that it's across the pond doesn't matter. We've got to understand that as fellow Londoners and stand in solidarity with them. And it's not acceptable in the 21st century for places of worship in London to need protection because they are synagogues. It's not acceptable in 21st century London for schools to need protection because they are Jewish schools. And that's why one of the first things I did as mayor was to send a message loud and clear there'll be zero tolerance towards uh, anti-Semitism, hate crime, because we want Jewish Londoners to have a sense of belonging in this city. And that's why having this giant menorah in Trevaya Square is so important, because I want Jewish Londoners to have that sense of pride and sense of belonging in being a Londoner, yes, but also a Jewish Londoner as well. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Mr. Mayor. Mr. Mayor, permit me to say, having been a guest of this great city now for almost three years, I think that this celebration being held in this square really does embody what London is all about. Pluralism, diversity and freedom. And as the Chief Rabbi knows, Hanukkah is indeed the festival of freedom. It is the inspirational story of a small group of heroic Jews, the Maccabees, who over two millennia ago beat the odds. They bravely stood up to their oppressors and through their struggle, those Maccabees successfully regained our freedom in the land of Israel. The spirit of the Maccabees continues to live on. 70 years ago, after a genocide unparalleled in world history, and only after a difficult, difficult struggle, the Jewish people once again achieved independence with the establishment of the State of Israel. And for the past, for the past 70 years, just like London, Israel has stood out as a beacon of diversity, pluralism, and prosperity. And just like London, Israel is proud to champion freedom and equality for all its citizens, regardless of religion, race, gender, or sexuality. Let us today celebrate the spirit of the Maccabees, the freedoms that we share, and let this festival's message of hope inspire us all. I wish each and every one of you a very, very happy Hanukkah. Chag Hanukkah Sameach. The inspiring words of the Israeli ambassador, Mark Regev. Well, now I've made my way into the crowd to speak to some of the punters who have braved the elements this evening as well. What's your name, madam? Esther. And Esther, what do you make of Hanukkah in the Square for 2018? I think it's wonderful. We live in a democracy. They're letting us celebrate. Let's all come together and celebrate the good times because we come together during the Seah times. Let's celebrate in this wonderful city.
What's Daniel. your name, please, sir? My name is Alan. Alan, and you are? Simon. And you are? David. Now, don't test me because I'm rubbish with names, so forgive me. But how are you finding Hanukkah in the Square 2018 so far? Dry. That's very nice of you to lie like that. I've just spent this whole programme telling people how saturated I am, and you're making me out to be a liar, sir. How about you? Lucker free. Yeah. Haven't had any luckers. Uh, is that your particular favourite for Hanukkah, is it? Well, I can't lie. They are. Yep. See, my problem is I like halakas all year round. I don't just think it's really? just for Hanukkah. Oh, I love halakas. I suppose you're right, but, you know, trying to be healthy as well. Now, what would you say that your highlight has been thus far? Sadiq Khan. We live in a multicultural society. It's a multicultural London. We stand together. Absolutely. And what does Hanukkah mean to you? Um, Apparently not a lot. How about you, Simon? Candles. Candles. And you? Family. Uh, gelt. Gelt, there we go. He's remembered. Fantastic. Well, may you get lots of gelt and have a very happy Hanukkah. Thank you very much, Chef. And what's your name? Naomi. And Naomi, what has brought you to Hanukkah in the square this evening, apart from this marvellous weather? Everything. Just, it's amazing. I'm Alan. And Alan, what do you think of Hanukkah in the square so far? Yep, it's really good. It's the first time I've been. The uh, our eldest girls are now old enough to come with us. So I brought them with me too. And your name? Shoshana. And Shoshana, what do you think of Hanukkah in the Square? Are you enjoying it? Yeah. Yes. What's been your favourite part? Uh, opening presents. Opening presents. Did you open them here? No. No. Well, then that's not your favourite part of Hanukkah in the Square. Let's try that again. What's your favourite part of Hanukkah in the Square? Lighting the Hanukkah candle. Lighting the menorah. Fantastic. Okay. What does it mean to you to see Jewish people gathering together in the middle of Trafalgar Square and so openly and proudly celebrating Judaism? It's definitely something very special, something that you don't see very often. But when you do, it brought a tear to my eye to see the Mayor of London stand up there and address us as brothers and sisters and say how he's so supportive of the Jewish community. Now, one of the things I love about Hanukkah in the Square personally is how it just always seems to be the best of the Jewish views. I'm now in the presence of friends of the show, Laura Marks and Julie Siddiqui, of course, from Nisan Hashim. Thank you both very much indeed for speaking to me. Now, I believe that, Julie, this is your first time to Hanukkah in the Square. What do you make of it so far? Yeah, I'm loving it. I mean, I don't know why I've not been before, but it's brilliant. Great atmosphere, lovely donuts, uh, really good speeches. And it's just been really good to see London come out. Great, huge menorah in public. I think it's been amazing. And of course, Laura, this falls into place beautifully with the work that you do at Nisan Hashim, doesn't it? Of course, solidarity and coming together. Absolutely. And I always come to Hanukkah in the Square, but this is the first time that I brought along a bunch of our Muslim trustees and friends because I think that it's so important to go and do these things together and see that we celebrate Eid in the Square, we celebrate Hanukkah in the Square, and we're all in it together, which is really lovely. It's really nice, I think, particularly to see families. So it's very nice that people have brought their children. I think that's quite an important part of their identity, you know, to feel that they can come somewhere like this and be surrounded by love, basically, and, and for Hanukkah to be celebrated so publicly. I think it's brilliant. And do you say that for events like this, it maybe goes to highlight some of the parallels and the similarity that the two religions share? I know that's obviously, again, very much part of the work that Nisan Hashim actually does, but would you say that events like this would help people to recognise that? I think that most importantly, it helps us to realise that we're all Londoners, we're all British, we we, we lead similar lives, we come to Trafalgar Square and uh, we're very delighted that the Hanukkah is lit up in Nissan Hashim's colours of pink and purple. And be honest, how many donuts have you snuck? No, I've had too many, I'm not going to say, I've had too many. <laughs> but we, today we split one. So well, that's one. We did share one we today. Did. We shared it, which I think was not only very uh, abstemious of us, but it was also a reflection of how many we've eaten. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you both so thank much. You. Just enjoy the rest of the evening. Thank you. Thank you thank so much. You. Well, what a fantastic evening it has been here. And you know what? Despite the somewhat inclement weather, I think it's safe to say that this has been a rather successful Hanukkah in the Square for 2018. If you were unable to make it for yourself, you'll be able to see photos of the event on the Jewish News' website. And of course, you can get more information about what we've been up to on the Jewish Views' website, jewishviews.co.uk. But now it is time to say goodbye from Hanukkah in the Square, and it is time for our Rabbinic Thought for the Week. And this time it comes 
from Rabbi Aaron Goldstein of Northwood and Pinner Liberal Synagogue. Hanukkah Sameach! This Shabbat Miketz precedes the 70th anniversary of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. This is being celebrated in the Jewish community through René Kassan, the Jewish voice for human rights. René Kassan's work contributes a distinctive and contemporary Jewish perspective to issues affecting the human rights of some of the UK's most marginalised communities. They have been at the forefront of calls to end indefinite immigration detention, work to counter discrimination and hate crime against minorities, highlighted the scourge of modern slavery and human trafficking, warned of threats to human rights safeguards, and built support for human rights values amongst British Jewry. René Kassan is by no means the only Jewish organisation focused on human rights. Others include JCOR, the Jewish Council for Racial Equality, and Selem, the rabbinic call for social and economic justice in the UK that includes clergy from liberal Mazorti, Reform, Spanish and Portuguese and United Synagogues. Why do we have, I have not counted scientifically, but I have an educated hunch, a disproportionate number of human rights organisations in the Jewish community? Why non-sectarian organisations? Why should we care about others? An obvious reason is that we know from bitter experience that when human rights are trampled upon, Jews are usually caught in the stampede, if not the first recipients of abuse. However, I sincerely hope that another cause is that human rights run through our veins. We can quote so many more Torah and rabbinic values than B'Tselah Melochim, in the image of God were we made, and I sincerely hope that none is really necessary to justify what is right. Yet it is good to be reminded of what we know is right and what we can achieve at our highest moments. Hanukkah provides the opportunity to metaphorically rededicate ourselves as small temples of righteousness. As we face Brexit and attacks on human rights legislation and on the 70th anniversary of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, may we fight for our human rights and in so doing rededicate our resolve to fight for and maintain human rights for all. And our thanks to Rabbi Aaron Goldstein from Northwood and Pinner Liberal Synagogue for our thought for the week. And that's it for this edition of The Jewish Views. Thank you to our guests, Ron Campius from the Jewish Telegraphic Agency in Washington, talking to us about President Bush. Thank you to our producer, Sue Greenberg, and indeed to you at home for listening. And you can always listen to this episode or any previous episode of The Jewish Views by visiting our website, jewishviews.co.uk. Please remember to subscribe to us in your podcast application. The Jewish Views is brought to you in association with The Jewish News. From me, John Kay. And me, Tony Honigberg. And from me, Phil Dave, in Trafalgar Square at Hanukkah in the Square 2018. Do join us next time here on The Jewish Views. Bye-bye and happy Hanukkah.